Welcome back to part two of Nothing Never Happens with our guest from Freedom University, Georgia, Emiko, Milady, Erisbeth, and Raphael. In the second half, they'll be talking with us about the May 22, 2017 New Yorker article by Jonathan Blitzer entitled An Underground College for Undocumented Immigrants along with the 10-minute accompanying video on the New Yorker website. Also, take a look at the Freedom University Georgia website and look at their recent document, A New Appeal for Human Rights, from May 16, 2017. It's easier to discriminate against them or target them mm -hmm. if they aren't your friends, yeah. right? Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, all the friends you've made, um, <laughs> student allies at different campuses? Um, so yeah, our biggest co-conspirators are definitely students <laughs> at campuses mm -hmm. um, from like Emory, Georgia State University, Tech, UGA. Um, whatever we need, whatever event, they're always there. Yeah. Um, always there to support us. Um, always there to get arrested with us. <laughs> <laughs> So having them is definitely showing the border regions and these campuses that these students want us in their classrooms. Mm -hmm. um, and it has to come from the students. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they're going to listen to whoever's paying them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so having these students uh, sort of state that they want us there and want to learn from us um, is really important, but also having conspirators in mm -hmm. uh, institutions out of Georgia helps as well. So we visit campuses out of state um, in order to do interviews, but not yeah. only that, but to change policies in those campuses as well and for, in order for them to also accept undocumented students, but also get full financial aid. Mm -hmm. So having allies in those and other places around um, the country really yeah. help out a lot but it also helped out a lot <laughs> uh, when I remember we did Northwest Northeast tour college um, tour mm -hmm. That's I was gonna ask tour. you about that mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so we went to Dartmouth Harvard Bard Smith um, and we ended up changing the <clears throat> policy in Smith and Bard and Bard for them to accept wow. undocumented students um, but mm. ended up also inviting them down to Georgia. Them uh, being students at these yeah, campuses. Yeah, the mm -hmm. students that helped us, that housed us, that gave us food, that um, <laughs> made it easier for a college tour to happen. Uh, we invited them down to Georgia. It was this past year. so 2016. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was uh, February, 1st, February 1st, 2016. 2016. Mm -hmm. And that was our, our second action. <laughs> Audie's um, Beth's second arrest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, but we got students from those campuses to protest with us mm -hmm. and um, to yes. also get arrested with 60 us. students from 12 different universities. Calm down for a quote-unquote conference uh, <laughs> with Freedom University. So some of the universities paid for them to come down to Georgia, nice. and we had a student leadership conference, and it was legit. And it yeah. was it was so student-run that there were like seriously no one over twenty-five in those spaces. <laughs> like um, 
And so we had, um, I know that because I'm the only one who can rent vans. <laughs> I'm like a grandma at 33 at Freedom <laughs> I was like, Emiko, you should be writing the press release. I'm like, I'm driving the vans. They're like, why can't someone else do it? I said, I'm the only one over 25. <laughs> like legit, I'm the only one who can drive the vans. But um, yeah, we had 90 students, including Freedom U students from 12 different universities come and have this conference um, January 28th through 31st. 2016, and it was in preparation for a direct action we did um, based on that February, mm -hmm. uh, so that January 9th, 2015 action at UGA. We, we held it on February 1st on the anniversary of the Greensboro launch counter sit-ins, mm -hmm. um, and of 1960, February 1st, 1960. And we expanded the direct action to be on um, in classrooms at Georgia State University, at Georgia mm -hmm. Tech, and the University of Georgia. Um, and so we had 30 students at each campus um, hold class, have professors teaching a class. Mm -hmm. And that night, 14 students were arrested um, at those campuses, including Adi Smith, um, who was, uh, fell asleep <laughs> at like 5 a.m. in a, we ended up having students sit in in an elevator. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the arrest happened. But I have a photo of Adi Smith asleep in the elevator with mm -hmm. her butterfly wings on. <laughs> because they would not arrest us. But um, yeah, they, the, mm -hmm. The Board of Regents and these universities were recognizing that the arrest and the civil disobedience was very effective in shaming. So they were very yeah. hesitant to arrest students, but they sat there for 14, 15 hours, and finally the Board of Regents wow. um, and the Georgia State University moved forward with the arrests. Mm -hmm. right? But yeah. each time we do these protests, it's not protest for protest's sake, and that's really important. It's just not like, let's get arrested, ha ha, right? It's, yeah. When people are trained at Freedom U, it's also understanding that movements require lots of people doing lots of different things. If you aren't in a position to get arrested, make the sandwiches, right. drive, right? Help with the media team, help with the logistics team, help with the legal team. Everyone has a role, right? And that's, yeah. and I don't want to glorify arrests or protests as the only way that change happens, but it does serve one function in terms of um, getting a lot of media attention, shaming targets, right? Yes. Um, that sandwich making doesn't, right? But all of these things are important. Sandwich making is important to have conversations mm -hmm. over dinner of, of um, community building, right? But all of these things are important of building a, a movement in a community. Yeah. So what have you learned about leadership and, and the different roles that you've taken? Because that's a big thing in higher education now. Um, <laughs> You know, to train people to be good citizens. <laughs> There's a loaded, a lot of loaded stuff there. Um, you know, and also fit into a, a corporate model, capitalist model. So you're uh, rethinking, re-envisioning, and reacting to this uh, definition of leadership. So if you could talk about that. I think something Rafa taught me at that very first action was that being a leader means being afraid like mm. very scared and still going through with what you're supposed to go through mm. um it also means working with other people it means that you don't get all the credit it means you're not doing it doing mm -hmm. it alone it means that there's a group of people mm -hmm. who if you're if you're a true leader they're all depending on you and you have to address each person's needs completely differently mm -hmm. um but yeah mostly it's the fear thing because this this that we're doing comes attached with a whole bunch of fears because mm -hmm. for us it's not yeah. just oh we're gonna get in a little bit of trouble we could mm -hmm. we could 
get sent back to places we don't actually know mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. the fear that that brings is unexplainable but also we follow the sort of model from the CIW the coalition of immokalee workers that we are mm-hmm. all leaders so mm-hmm. um not sort of having this this face that controls everything, but we the students who are facing this issue are all leaders and have a say in changing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sort of like and other other things from the CIW like consciousness plus commitment equals change. Um, so being committed to free university, uh, but also raising mm-hmm. that consciousness in the classrooms is what's going to make change. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, since we've spoken on, on that aspect of leadership already, there's there's one thing that I, I think is uh, is important I, that I have learned. Um, in in high school, I I was a part of a um, ROTC program, mm-hmm. um, and and we like we learned a certain type of leadership. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of it's kind of like learning to to subjugate other people to your command. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then coming into Freedom University and, and figuring out that there's a way to lead people where they're not just happy to, to help you and then you are happy to help them, but to come together as like a family to understand that the problems that we all face, uh, the problems that I face are also Milady's problems and mm-hmm. the problems that Milady faces are my problems as well. And, and we can come together and, and help each other overcome those things. Um, it's it's really like a radical way of leading a movement mm-hmm. um, where it's not one person up top where they're like the charismatic leader and everybody yeah. else does what they say. It's it's more so uh, what Adi's Beth was saying that we got from um, the Coalition of Immokalee Workers is todos somos líderes, we're all leaders. Um, and to be able to recognize that and work together instead of on top of each other yeah. and, and to recognize the strengths and and... In, in our in our like peers in our in our brothers and sisters in the movements, um, and and come together to just form a collective that's stronger than any one of us could be. Mm-hmm. Well, it also sounds like you're uh, questioning the master narrative oh, yes. of of what it means to be a leader. So let's extend this a little bit. What is what's this going to mean when you go to a university? Um, hopefully, (laughs) I don't know each of your situations, but you know, when you get into a system that does, is not fully appreciative of this model of student leadership and questioning the status quo, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, there will be pockets, right? You'll find your people, you'll find your student groups and your faculty allies hopefully your mentors uh, and the groups off campus that you can relate to also but um, you know say you're gonna you know major in X Y or Z and you're you know not able to decide with that department what courses are going to be offered and uh, you know you're you see what I mean it doesn't that isn't yeah. aren't you saying isn't Freedom University sort of a a model for us that what we're some some of what's being done in the standard you know traditional university and college is uh, you know kind of stuck in the past 
Yeah, and then if if you mind, uh, I like, I think the question that you were saying is how we take our form of leadership mm-hmm. and try to fit it into like an institution that doesn't appreciate that form yeah. of leadership, where yeah. they want the the one person, one guy, one man <laughs> at the top, and like telling everyone else what to do. Yeah. Um, and I I want to take it beyond university because people go to university because they want a career, they want to mm-hmm. be in a company or mm-hmm. something or. Uh, one thing or another, they you you don't go to university for the sake of it. You go because you you want the degree for something, um, and and I think that outside of university, when you when you walk into say you walk into like a a huge company like Fortune five hundred, and and they want someone to lead their people, um, and everybody is used to this boss that is a jerk and you hate. And, and, and you're stuck in a system where you work for him and he tells you what to do and you're upset all the time and, and, and you're never as, uh, as productive, you're never as happy, you're never as, as you know, it's, it's not a system that's actually working because people want to do the bare minimum um, to not get fired because yeah. they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you put like our kind of leadership into that, that, mm-hmm. into that Fortune 500 company, uh, you're not getting employees that are upset, that are unhappy, that are mm-hmm. like the least bit productive that they can be without having to be fired. You're getting people that are happy to be there because um, their leaders acknowledge their their individual leadership and they acknowledge their issues and their problems. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone comes together for, for the benefit of each other but of the company itself because everyone's happy to be there and everyone's happy to work together. Yeah. I mean, also, we are kings and queens of fitting into places that don't want us. (laughs) So I think what Emigo said, when it doesn't work, make something new, like create something else. So I just always believe that if I go into an institution and something's not working, you fix it. And you fix it collectively. Yeah. That's what I... Others who feel the same way, yeah. That's... I remember I taught at Emory for two years back in 2008 and nine. Um, and my students were so averse to like collective anything. Like they were all trying to yeah. study by themselves. I said, there's nothing illegal about sharing your notes. There's nothing illegal about yeah. studying together. If you guys don't want to have class the day before Thanksgiving, collectively write a petition and send it to me. Mm-hmm. And I legit said that. And then I got, I was so proud. I got a petition <laughs> <laughs> asking or like demanding and the reasons why. And like, I realized that I had succeeded yeah. as a teacher, yeah. right? Um, Asata Shakur, a freedom, a freedom fighter, um, has this quote that no one will ever give you the education you need to subvert them, to yeah. overthrow them, Yeah. right? Except yeah. for maybe me, except for maybe a few teachers mm-hmm. at Freedom U, is that when my students act collectively they can imagine an alternative mm-hmm. um, and that they're willing to to fight for it together, that's when I know I've succeeded as a teacher, yeah. right? Yeah. And not just the span, right? Not just for immigration, but that they, they also see the struggles of people in their community and, and join in their struggle, right? Maybe not even centering being undocumented, but saying, yeah. I am a co-conspirator. Mm-hmm. I've had other people stand for me, I'm going to stand for you. Right, um, yeah. and and I hope that when they do go into universities, and you know now we have, 
more than 25, 30 graduates at universities across the camp, across the country. And mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them come back for the summer, for the holidays, and they share what it's like to be on campus. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they do struggle a little bit, you know, about the authority um, yeah. that they don't have a say in their classes. Um, and a lot of them do end up making a lot of good trouble, <laughs> you know, yeah. starting new student organizations, joining them. Um, one of our students um, went to Berea College and became the first mm -hmm. undocumented, first gay, first Mexican mm -hmm. um, president of the student body. Right, but he rose mm -hmm. right to leadership because he also lifted up so many other people, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And and I love seeing our students succeed at universities, but it is a struggle because mm -hmm. sometimes Freedom U can um, change so dramatically change your vision of the world yeah. that when you go into universities, it can be suffocating, right? But um, <laughs> just last month, the students saw a video of me getting arrested at Emory, and <laughs> and I didn't mean for that to, uh, a lot of people don't know that, but you know, that mm -hmm. I've been a troublemaker for a while, um, mm -hmm. but the university was, was suffocating for me too. Yeah. Um, and I, while I don't want them to get arrested <laughs> for the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. um, it is, it has a history at universities of mm -hmm. people really believing that the university is a place where we can practice having a better world, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. that it is a, a space for free speech and experimentation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I hope that they, they take on all that they learned at Freedom U to mm -hmm. universities to transform our, our now very corporate model of yeah. university leadership. So it's practice for the revolution. I oh, hope yes. so. As Dr. Bowal <laughs> says about theater of the oppressed and the Highlander yeah. Center models that practice for the revolution. Mm -hmm. So Freedom University is a challenge to higher education is what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. traditional higher education, because we have to think about what we do in terms of student voices, in terms of these things we have called disruptive student policies. Mm -hmm. We have one at free speech students. zones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and um, you know the issues of what is a safe space and who gets to decide that and for whom and um, but but also who has voice and say in the education process. Absolutely. Um, you know I don't know our board of trustees. Students don't know them. You might get, you know, your 90 seconds if you're a student on a certain mm -hmm. committee. You know, it's all very. Um, um, but I'm uh, glad you bring up this framed. issue of leadership at universities and in mm -hmm. public policy regarding education. Yeah. Um, you don't. Most of us don't know the trustees or have interacted with the trustees of a university. Mm -hmm. And look at the Georgia Board of Regents. There are 19 members, yeah. two of whom are women. One was just reinstated in February. Two, two out of 19. Two out of 19. Two are people of color, right? Wow. Guess how many are educators? I would guess zero. One. But one. Oh, wow. George right. is really on the move. And the rest are presidents of beer distribution companies, CEOs of energy corporations. And these are people who, quote unquote, are leaders. And, and this is why we get policies of exclusion and discrimination, mm -hmm. yeah. um, because we have running our education system people who aren't educators, um, yeah. who don't or, represent the, the gender, racial, mm -hmm. um, or citizenship status yeah. of, of its population, yeah. right? Um, and so we are providing also an alternative model of leadership, right? Mm -hmm. um, of horizontal leadership, of shared leadership, um, and not, again, this charismatic leader of individual um, authority, right? So in, in terms of movement building, do you have a strategy, a plan of 
um, you know, how to get to the board through um, alliances with uh, uh, administrators or, you know, you start One, with... let's pause for a second. Okay, but can hold you... on, I'm gonna stop You don't it. have to stop it. Okay. Um, but can you rephrase your question? It's just Rafa was going out and he's gonna come back in, but. Okay, I can't stop. That's fine. Okay, you can ask the I can edit this part too. Um, okay, so I'm thinking of the Midwest Academy model mm -hmm. of strategy setting of because um, we live at you, we use it in our living wage mm -hmm. campaign here um, for the long haul of you know there's the board of regents but other allies you know mm -hmm. and, and that like is the provost at one of these big schools so do we have strategies yeah. in terms of transforming the board of regents is that your question yeah oh we're good I'm getting more water for people. Just well. We can make noise, no problem. This is fine, I can edit this out. <laughs> the water pouring. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if it's... the Board of Regents meaning changing the people on the board? Or influencing them. Um, um, and that's a question that I don't really want to talk about, if that's okay. Okay, no, that's fine. I can edit this out. Because I don't want them to know our strategy. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, that's true. You don't want them to know your... Yeah. <laughs> Only tell media what you want them to hear. Yeah, exactly. But that's also why it was hard for me to talk about. I know. The, the, the way yeah. we, we planned Yeah, because Board of Regents seems like, like the big, mm -hmm. you know, thing and hard to crack. No shit. Okay, so I also want to get at... Um, We're also swimming then, so... Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know that Freedom University is... Oh, um, wait. Let me it. <laughs> I'll talk about that. We're almost at time. Yeah, so it's okay. Sorry. It's I don't want to keep you Real bad. Yeah, I, can, I can talk about oh. that for a second. Hmm? Sorry to interrupt. Okay. No, we're, so, we're back. <laughs> so I do want to talk a little bit about um, the many multi-level strategies that we have. Okay, mm -hmm. we'll just start, yeah, we'll start over. <laughs> yes. Um, I do want to talk about the multi-level strategy that Freedom University has, right? We've talked about the classes, mm -hmm. um, but it's much more than classes. Um, we also work with student allies across the country to transform um, private university policies and admissions policies. Um, yeah. We targeted the Board of Regents to hold them accountable to its mm -hmm. policies regarding um, policy 416 and 434, the, the five college ban and the in-state tuition ban, right? But we also have national and international strategies as well. Um, at the federal level, Freedom University is an organizational plaintiff that's suing um, the individual members of the Board of Regents and presidents of public universities in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And we're suing them for damages, um, for violating oh. our students' right to equal protection under the law, under the 14th Amendment okay. of the United States Constitution. And that is being argued by um, the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund, MALDEF. Mm -hmm. um, and this is one of three cases um, at the state and federal level that is challenging these bans in Georgia, right? But it's important that movements don't always put all their eggs in one basket, not just going in for a court case win, because that can take years. It's up to arbitrary decisions mm -hmm. by random judges, right? But this is one of our um, our methods of, of change. Mm -hmm. And we're also partnering with the Columbia Human Rights Law Clinic to file formal 
complaints in the UN system with the UN High Commissioner of Human Rights and the Special Rapporteur on Education um, to shame Georgia on an international level for, like you said, for violation of Article 26 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights mm-hmm. and our students' right to education, education to, um, based on academic merit and not social status. Right? So there's mm-hmm. many levels in which Freedom University engages okay. to change, yeah, to change these helpful. policies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been in the news, especially lately, you got a big um, piece written about you in the New Yorker magazine, and um, I wanted to wanted to get your feedback on that article. It mm. came out just last. There was month. an article. There was also a beautiful video, ten-minute documentary yeah. made of our dear friend <laughs> Angel and his and his life. His yeah. what? Yeah, um, yeah. The video was beautiful. Angel is a good friend of mine, actually, a very close friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing seeing that and seeing you know his his story, um, mm-hmm. like how he he transitioned from being a, another student who did so well in high school and was just so lost, um, and, and now finally seeing how Freedom University has helped him find his way and he's on his way to college now. Mm-hmm. He's headed there. He's made it. He's you know he's, yeah. he's something to look look forward to as an undocumented student and a student at Freedom University. Yeah, he's at Tougaloo College. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and we have three other alums there, so he's joining oh. like a small Freedom U community, yeah. which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice historic connection there too. Yep. So the New Yorker article written by Jonathan Blitzer, he spent some time down here with you, and um, yeah, um, it was. It was interesting to read. Um, it was a little bit, you know. I think the article, in in like, in all in all, um, was was it was positive. Um, I like the stories of, of, of the two sisters. Um, I, I I met them briefly. Um, uh, I I'm pretty new to Freedom University, so I, I didn't get a chance to interact with them too much. But um, I, I think their story was powerful. Um, there. W- there were some hesitations of mine when I read it as a, as an undocumented student. I kind of mm-hmm. felt like my voice was being taken from me. Um, just uh, I kind of had to read it a couple of times to, to really see what it was saying and, and how yeah. how it was like um, how it contrasted with how I felt as an undocumented student and how I knew a lot of my peers um, at Freedom University felt. Um, about the different things going on, like the classes um, mm-hmm. and and the the teachers, you know, the the um, professors. Um, but like I said, the the story of, of the two students, no matter who tells it, is is going to be something that's powerful yeah. Um, yeah. because it's it's their life. Mm-hmm. I think even though, as I mentioned before, there's always a lot of empathy among a group of people that you know basically live the same lives there is also a huge uh i guess difference in the mentality sometimes because i agree with rafa there are a lot of things in the article that do ring true for the most Mm -hmm. part but then there are other parts that as he said might not necessarily have my viewpoint in mind everybody thinks differently but all in all as he said good article It, it it tried it's best for it being on the outside and yeah. not necessarily on and, the And I think that's something that's important to note, that the article was written by an outsider, somebody who yeah. came in from somewhere else and uh, and, and kind of, uh, I guess, um, 
unwittingly or, or un, without without you know wanting to uh, he imposed his voice on some of us um, mm -hmm. and and so I guess we do have a couple complaints on it <laughs> but um, um, but you know it, it was it was bright in the end <laughs> has there been a letter to him or a letter to the editor I don't know um, <laughs> I I mean I wasn't <laughs> expecting you to ask this question um, okay. But from my end, um, you know, I got a email from Jonathan Blitzer uh, June 2016. So it was, on, it was a year ago. Um, over the course of the last year, um, I probably talked to him for 30, 40 plus hours. Um, he called me, texted me, emailed me for fact checking. Um, it was actually my idea that he interview the two sisters. Um, and it was my job to encourage them to do the interview with him. Mm -hmm. um, and. And I actually told people, you know, for the last several months that I was really excited for the article because yeah. someone had spent so long on it. Mm -hmm. um, and someone I had talked to in depth um, mm -hmm. for hours and hours and hours for the course of a year. Yeah. Um, but um, May 15th it was published and I knew something was wrong when I was getting a lot of um, interesting texts and messages from people. Um, my mom wrote to me and she emailed me and said, um, why do they keep doing this to you? And, uh, and I had a couple friends who said, let me know if you want to talk about the New York article. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I read it. Um, and you know, I was really, really grateful that the, yeah. the lives of the students were shared with dignity, um, their stories of migration, of, yeah. of navigating um, Georgia's policies. Um, but I found it a little strange that uh, I, I honestly didn't want to be mentioned in the article. Um, uh -huh. And that's part of my job is is centering the voices of students, um, yeah. and I was happy to provide a lot of the fact checking. Um, you know that by virtue of sending off a lot of student leaders to college every year, I unfortunately know a lot of the organizational history, uh -huh. right? And that's my job. Um, but in introducing me, he called me um, talkative, um, and yet in his article he never quoted me, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> which yeah. um, I found yeah. kind of interesting and. Um, and he made reference to the Southern Freedom Schools um, and how it was a little problematic that um, people from New York, um, a lot of white volunteers went down to the Deep South in the summer of 1964 to teach black students. Um, and in that, and how some of the students, um, you know, um, resisted um, and, and, and had conflict with those teachers, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think he used that um, to, to make reference to me um, and my role. And so he, he in the article, um, you know, mentioned that I'm from Minnesota, which is true. He mentions that I have a PhD, which is true. Mm -hmm. um, but he ended the article by talking about how my class, the students were distracted. Um, what he didn't mention was this, this was a week after the election. Yeah. And so I changed my border studies class to an open class where people could just talk and, mm -hmm. and get out a lot of fear and feelings. Um, and, and I think he, he said that a lot of students held the fact that I'm documented against me. And it was just strange that I was the only person whose status was named in the piece. And, and when I read the article, I, I texted him um, and asked him why he painted me as kind of this out of touch Minnesotan. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, I was trying to make the historical connection with Freedom Summer. And I said, well, John, I've actually mm -hmm. been here for 15 years. 
I've worked with undocumented immigrants for more than a decade. Mm -hmm. I've lived in trailers with farm workers and went on 200 mile marches, been arrested three times, mm -hmm. um, done hunger strikes, yeah. and, and have done my best to transfer knowledge I've learned from um, immigrant leaders to my students. Mm -hmm. um, and so if anyone was coming down from the Northeast and was out of place, um, it was you. Exactly. <laughs> um, he came down from New York City for two days. Um, two days. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, I'm from Minnesota, but I grew up in a, a working class family. Um, I was first generation in my dad's side. Um, and I went to the University of Georgia. And he said that I take it personally, this fight personally, and of course I do. I went to a university and I had a full scholarship um, and travel stipends. I studied on six continents in the world. Mm -hmm. And my whole worldview changed because of college, mm -hmm. right? I got to see the world beyond Minnesota. <laughs> and now um, I'm a child of an immigrant. Um, and now I see young people who, whose lives um, are restricted. They're banned from the college I, I went to, right? Of course, I'm going to take it personally. Yeah. And, and though I might be documented, um, I always tell my students, we make this very clear, a lot of your teachers are going to be documented, a lot of your drivers mm -hmm. are documented, I'm documented, but I promise you personally that I will never use that against you. I will always use my status to, to try and change things, to subvert things. Yeah. I will use my driver's license to drive you to colleges up in New Hampshire, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I will use that status to get arrested and, and use my body and my privilege in whatever way I can. Yeah. Um, and I follow your lead. Right, and, and so when he called me a leader, um, that's not true, mm -hmm. right? The leader of Freedom U. I, mm -hmm. I do a lot of work, but the students are leaders. Everyone is on the same plane. Um, the classes aren't decided by one person or, or a board of directors. It's chosen by students, mm -hmm. right? And, and I think what I do do in trying to find teachers to teach at Freedom U, it's not just based on where they're teaching. It's people um, who are immigrants, people who are first generation, people like myself who have worked in farm labor, janitorial services, wait staff, yeah. who, who had to work to get an education, to tell students that once you get to college, the struggle isn't over. You're still mm -hmm. going to have to work. You're still going to have to fight against authoritative structures, right? But we're going to give you the skills you need um, to, to thrive in these spaces, yeah. right? Um, and, and help you navigate a very, very confusing system. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, as someone who's been at Freedom U for four years, the article was just painful um, mm -hmm. individually, but more because um, a lot of our values of horizontal leadership, of student voices, yeah. was completely erased. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And yeah. and by someone who ironically um, tried to portray me as as someone who came down um, and was out of touch with the students. So, yeah, yeah. It seemed to me like a lot of projection. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, someone who like you, who's, who's living it with the with community, within the community, um, and taking risk hmm. uh, versus a reporter from far away. Yeah. But I think I also learned something in that process. Is I teach students <laughs> how to center their own voices, right? Of how not to trust the media. And here I was, like, walking in. Mm -hmm sharing 40 hours of conversation with somebody and yeah. expecting my voice to be heard. Of course yeah. not, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that was a big um, lesson I learned as well, is mm -hmm. that um, 
reporters, male reporters, <laughs> men, you, I can't trust them to tell my story. Yeah. Um, and like I try and teach my students, use your own voice, mm -hmm. right? Tell your own stories. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when that will ever take place for me, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, who knows, maybe a big collaborative book on based on Freedom You yeah, um, will be written by all of us. Yeah, I was thinking about the book that yeah. you all <laughs> that will have poetry yeah. in it. And all, all the, the pictures. <laughs> and all the photos that I thought. <laughs> and photography and, and art. Yeah. Right. All I the pictures of Ali's Beth getting arrested <laughs> everywhere in <laughs> every university in Georgia. It really has to be this book. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's going to be written by somebody else if nope, the group if doesn't don't. write nope. it. That's right? true. Claim, yeah. claim the space. I mean, that might be our project this this year. This year. Oh. Kind of like oh. you know, um, right. Fox, <laughs> Foxfire, Elliot Willington's mm -hmm. methodology for Appalachia. If you. You know, it comes from below. It's generative from mm -hmm. the community, and the and the students do the curriculum and do the, you know. But I guess what's hard histories. is that like the New Yorker becomes history, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's and what these that's yes, what these right. institutions have is is yeah. access and yeah. and I I recognize now as a scholar. Um, footnote: He he said I was more an activist than a scholar, and that actually hurt too because. Uh -huh. um, I was actually called by a fact checker on that point. I said, no, um, I'm both. Mm -hmm. um, I went to college. I went to school for 24 years. Um, I wrote a 655-page dissertation on the Coalition of Mockley Workers. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a lot of the intellectual work mm -hmm. of this organization by hearing hundreds of stories of undocumented students. Um, and it's OK, I'm a scholar, too. Mm -hmm. right? Um, People, women, little people can be lots of things. <laughs> um, high five. <laughs> um, but I lost my train of thought, scholarship. Yeah, well, one of the things we do on the website is have resource oh. links to resources. And mm -hmm. one thing I want to uh, link to is your article in the journal Souls, a critical mm -hmm. journal of black politics, culture, and society, which I thought was a fabulous article. From freedom schools to freedom university, liberatory education, interracial and intergenerational dialogue, and the undocumented student movement in the U.S. South from uh, June 2015. I need to work on shorter titles, but <laughs> I need to get it all uh, in there. And it has the history and um, the philosophy mm -hmm. and you know, the importance of um, the way that you're doing uh, education for liberation. Yeah, but as scholars, like we can be scholar activists, yes. right? Um, yeah. And and I hope that the students write, that the students sing songs, that they record their poetry. And I had this weird feeling at graduation this year. Um, wow. Um, we had three Atlanta Student Movement veterans present, um, Rosalind Pope, Charles Black, Lonnie King. And I recognized how there's still such dear friends, mm -hmm. right? When they fought um, in these struggles 55, 56 years ago. And I had this immense, like out of time revelation. Mm -hmm. And I saw us in 50 years. Um, wow, I'm gonna be real old. <laughs> but our age difference won't be very yeah. big when you guys are in your late 70s and I'm in my 80s. But you know, we are going to be friends and family for the rest of our lives. Um, and like, I get so proud of them that I can't talk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. how cool it's going to be when 
Yeah. Like I see you guys when you're 70 and you're like <laughs> Nobel like poet laureates and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll yeah. be cool. Well, so what is the future? What's next? What's the dream? <laughs> I think individually or as a as a collective. <laughs> yeah. We're all I guess it kind of yeah. Let me tissue in here. Yeah, it's kind of kind of both because I know when you're 80 and you're in your 70s, you read in the history books. Are we wrote them? <laughs> yeah, the people's history of the U.S. There'll be mm. a whole chapter. Right? We read that Howard's in book, yeah. by the way. Yeah. It's mandatory reading, mm -hmm. um, and so is um, Aviva Chomsky's Undocumented um, yeah. that I teach in the fall. That's right. yeah. um, I teach it alongside um, the new Jim Crow. Um, by Michelle Alexander as well, mm -hmm. um, so that people understand, our students specifically understand the the historical connection of of race as a way of justifying an exploitable labor force, and yeah. how that's transformed over time, and how criminality has replaced race um, as the main form of discrimination by criminalizing people of color, and then discriminating based on that criminal status, and who benefits from private prisons and private detention centers. Mm -hmm. And when yeah. those books are put right next to each other, um, mm. you know, students' eyes <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the realization and, and the consciousness that takes place is really important. Um, and, and on many uh, campuses in, in the South, and I don't think I'm overgeneralizing here, mm -hmm. I don't have the data, but I don't <laughs> think I'm overgeneralizing. Um, and speaking of the one that you're sitting in right now, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the grounds that look so lovely yeah. are done by um, you know some undocumented we, we don't ask don't tell who build the buildings who, build, yes. who serve the food oh mm. yeah any mm. new construction yep. uh, labor pools and yeah so uh, yeah I mean all, all our lives and Paulo Freire at the, toward the end of his life you know en envisioned a university where the decision making would be done by the folks who cook and clean and yes. mow and, you know, and students and we're all in this together, mm -hmm. right? Yes. We're all educators. I get educated big time every week mm -hmm. by the people who clean this building and that one and the you know, the people with the mowers. And that's what was things. really beautiful about Freire too is said that and what I try and keep in mind when I'm teaching is going in as a student. Mm -hmm. Right, that the students yeah. are teachers, the teachers are students, yeah. um, and it is based on dialogue, mm -hmm. right, and not someone with lots of information and empty receptacles that need to be filled, yeah. Mm -hmm. right, and that's a radical transformation of what it means mm -hmm. um, to learn. <laughs> yeah, and so your your vision, your dream for Freedom University, I mean, this is a day where just today there was an announcement. Mm -hmm by he who shall not be named, Voldemort. Um, yes, <laughs> Voldemort, uh, that there would be no, at least for the moment, recension of DACA. Um, so, you know, I know there are feelings around that and, and just where, you know, where's that dream? Where's the hope? Uh, my hope's for Freedom University. It's sad, I love Freedom University, but I hope there will come a day where we don't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. Where yeah. We're allowed to go to school and mm -hmm. things just work, but I know that that's a bit away. <laughs> um, I guess my hope for the future of 
I don't want to say the country because that's so broad, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you said, you learn from people every day, and I think mm-hmm. that that learning from everybody is what makes you a better human being. So if we have different cultures, people from different places around that we can learn from, why wouldn't we? And I hope that everybody comes to that understanding that instead of fighting one another, we should try to learn from each other and become better people. Mm-hmm. For me, my hopes for the future of Fairland University is even if they do rescind um, policy form 416 and 434 is that Freeman University doesn't just disappear but transforms as well that um, it still offers SAT um, uh, <laughs> prep. <laughs> SAT prep and college prep with applications and all these personal statements for um, all these exactly for first generation students that don't get that help that don't have the money to pay for SAT yeah. tutors and don't have the help with writing all these um, personal statements to, to all these colleges that it, it continues to help even though mm-hmm. um, things have become easier in Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Um, <laughs> I agree with my two uh, peers. I, I feel like they covered pretty much anything, everything and anything I can say would be redundant. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you want uh, listeners to know that we haven't covered today? I have maybe some thoughts to share on DACA. Yeah. Um, I have a critical perspective of lots of things, so this isn't surprising to the students, but I encourage students to also think, always take a step back and look at who's benefiting from everything, right? Um, And DACA, the Deferred um, Action for Childhood Arrivals program, um, which was um, introduced in 2012, in June 2012, Um, as a memorandum by the Obama administration. It was really important because it granted um, hundreds of thousands of young people, um, I think there are 800,000 now who are part of the DACA program, Mm -hmm. um, reprieve from deportation, as well as uh, a work permit and an opportunity to obtain a driver's license, right? Um, But at Freedom U, we encourage students to um, take a step back and again, look at structural issues and who benefits. Um, And in states like Georgia, where there are bans of higher education, and throughout the country where undocumented immigrants are not allowed to vote, in states like Georgia, DACA has uh, legitimized a system in which an entire population of young people of color um, are allowed to drive to low-wage jobs, but be denied access to education and the right to vote. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this before in the Jim Crow system, right? Um, And, but we've also seen before how students organized and fought back, right? And that's the hope. Um, But I do want to stress that DACA is not the solution. It's a two-year permit that needs to be renewed. And up to, it's about $475 now to apply, plus thousands of dollars in lawyer fees, um, over 800,000 people. And that's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to the federal government Mm -hmm. in order to work low-wage jobs, right? This is what DACA. And access to higher education. the education yeah. and the ability to vote to change things, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's a very exploitative system if you take a step yeah. back. Um, but at the same time, the dream, is it is it citizenship, right? Yeah. Um, what is the dream? Is citizenship granted by um, a, a government, an authority, or is it something that you, you embody, right? Yeah. Are your rights by virtue of your humanity, or are they given mm-hmm. to you by the state, yeah. right? And and so I hope that, you know, the undocumented student movement, its contribution in history is, is transforming how we think about citizenship, 
you know, mm -hmm. how we think about where our rights come from. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, that the goal isn't just citizenship because the history of people of color in this country, um, what it has shown is that some citizenship, citizenship doesn't save you. It doesn't save you in encounters with the police. Mm -hmm. It doesn't yeah. save you from um, being rounded up and put in internment camps, like the 772,000 right. <laughs> Jap Japanese descendants who were U.S. citizens who were interned in 1942, mm -hmm. right? And so um, yeah. these are good questions of what is the dream? Um, because I hope it's not, you know, keeping DACA or oh, gaining yeah. citizenship mm -hmm. and then everything's going to be fine. Freedom is a constant, constant struggle yeah. because power changes and transforms itself as well. Mm -hmm. So hopefully yeah. the students are gaining the skills they need to keep fighting for for decades. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the freedom struggle continues at Freedom University. Yes. La lucha sigue. Mm -hmm. La lucha sigue. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here.